0: Welcome to the tri tech Games Christmas Special. We're serving up Christmas cheer and pie glasses today, so grab some and take a sip. Sit right back and enjoy the show. Have some eggnog with a little bit of rum, not too much. enjoy yourselves. We will give you the lowdown on the lowdown. So coming right up, it's our Christmas special. I hope you enjoy the music. We wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And oh, by the
1: way, here's our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. And this is Paul. Welcome to the Christmas episode of the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. Merry Christmas. And we are glad to have you with us once again. Now we try to have special topics and things that are more than just your average fringe-worthy episode or tri-tech episode. And and we've done a lot of different things. But, uh, and we're going to try, and we try to always keep it Christmas related somehow. And we've talked about Santa Claus, and we've talked about what happens if everybody gets their gift all at the same time. So this time, we've decided that we're going to raise that ultimate question, which is when you're in Fringeworthy or in really any other game where there's exploration and you're looking for something and you're looking for probably like the greatest possible thing you could find, what is that thing? What is the thing that if you bring back to Earth or to your home base or you put it onto your zero plot or finally Bureau 13 gets his hands on it, what is that thing that will basically solve all your problems, that will solve everything? And or so transformed the campaign that essentially whatever it was that you were doing before It's, you're done. It's time to close this campaign and move on to another story And not in a bad way, as in a, a sense of real completion, a, a sense that we have really finally arrived this was, this was what we've all been building up to Ta-da! You know, voila, eureka, here it is So uh that's a pretty tall order, I think, to find something like that, or you know, even to conceive of that. And we're probably get, and we don't want to be spending our time shooting down the other host's ideas. By the way, guys, so <laughs> let's let's try to see what we can do to really make these ideas work. And to start us off, Peter, what's your idea of the ultimate MacGuffin, or whatever you want to call it, to bring back to uh, to to your campaign? All right, so
2: I had a couple, but I'm going to go with, for for my very first one, I'm going to go with anti-gravity, or for that matter, artificial gravity, gravity control. Because... Is this in any
1: game, or is this specific to one of the games? Oh, We're talking about Fringeworthy, right? Well, I I said we could talk about more than one, but you're talking about Fringeworthy. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay,
2: yes. I'm going with Fringeworthy. So... My reasoning for the ability to control gravity, because if you can make anti-gravity, I'm, you know, I I find that, you know, artificial gravity would fit right in with that. Um, you know, you can already travel through the portals, so you know, getting places and stuff is is already taken care of. Um, if you had anti-gravity, that means that you could leave your planet easily. You could you could just float stuff into space. If you have artificial gravity, then you could create, you know, all kinds of space stations and such, to where um, you wouldn't need to have like special spin or any of that kind of crazy stuff. And you, know, you could have just like the movies, where they can just walk around on the deck, no special equipment or gear or anything like that. You
3: could colonize places like the moon and Mars and not suffer the consequences.
1: Well, not only that, but you could literally go places like the like the sun. Uh, because the, the, intense gravity of the sun, you'd be able to shield against it. Sure. Yeah. You, well, you could build a
2: shield against it. That's, that would be your only real, I mean, that is a big concern, but that would be your only real concern of shielding yourself from the sun. So you could do something like the movie sunshine, um, or something like something to that effect. And you wouldn't have to worry about falling into the sun, but it would mean things like being able to, uh, do really good explorations of things like Jupiter and such. Plus, um, one of the biggest mysteries that we have uh, in physics, you know, is, is what is gravity? You know, they, they have they, – they can measure it. Uh, we, we, can, we can observe it. We can measure it. We can make predictions about it. But we don't really know exactly what it is. You know, there's, there's a, a big gap of what exactly is gravity. And if we were able to uh, – if we, we knew the secret to controlling gravity – um, yeah. Okay. John, John posted it's curved space time. All right. W- yes, I know. I-, I got that. But what does that mean? What exactly is that?
4: Well, I mean, well, if you could, if you can control gravity either by, you know, you know,
2: flattening
4: the flat, flattening the sheet, which, which would be any, which would be no gravity and, or dimpling the sheet and making a hill, which is any gravity. If you do that it means you're actually mod- you you can operate in more than three dimensions, You can operate in four, five, six dimensions. Yeah,
2: probably time travel. Sure, sure. But the point of the matter is, is that we would have, we could, would most likely be able to close that gap between uh, quantum, you know, quantum physics and and you know, uh, Einsteinian physics. And and sure, there's a lot of theories floating around, string theory, and all that kind of stuff. But I would imagine that this would solve would answer all of that because it's this is the key to if you could truly understand gravity on a level that you could control it then i would imagine that would help you answer some of the biggest questions in physics so i think i think that's a real um i think it's a real super tech
1: okay so yeah it is super tech so um you kind of mentioned a few things so what do you think would be the high level benefit and what would be the low level benefit how would it? How would it transform society at a high level, and what would it mean for the average Joe on the street? Okay,
2: so what it would do is now space is not even remotely a barrier. You know, everybody goes to space. You want to go to space? Sure. Here, hop on this thing, and up you go. You know, it, it would be like taking a train, driving your car, flying car. You're here, now you have flying cars. Forget flying cars. You get flying people. You know, you want to go somewhere? You just fly there. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was I was watching something the other night, and they had jetpack stuff, and I was like, God, you know, I never really considered what the big impact would be is if if we all had jetpacks, but it's just like you don't walk anymore, you don't, and, and you know, your whole life, everything's different. the whole The whole world changes at that point. Um, you, you walk out on your balcony, and you fly over to the other side of town. You know, it's there's no. Traffic just disappears for the most part. Um, I mean, there would be traffic, but you're talking about you're taking two dimensions, and now you have uh, this uh, almost unlimited third dimension that cars can travel. Basically, you're not going to have traffic. Um, you're, you're not going to have people traffic. <laughs> you have traffic in Coruscant. <laughs> well, yeah. but, but you know, cities are now built wherever you want to build them. Build it over the ocean. Build it over top of a mountain. Heck, build it just off the side of a mountain and have a, a you know like a little pathway going down to the mountain. Or why would you need a pathway? You just jump off. I was saying
4: from uh, H. Bean Piper's uh, 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 future history, where he where he, he, there was a um, oh, it was in uh, what was it? Which where, 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 junkyard world, junkyard planet. Uh, they were talking how you can tell a world that grew up with with anti gravity because. There are no roads, right? And buildings and buildings have platforms you can land on at different levels. You know, I mean, there are places where people can walk. People still like walking, but you know, but for the most part, yeah, it's um, you have landing and, platforms for your, John, for your
2: vehicles. You, you barely even need landing platforms. I mean, think about it. You pull your vehicle up just over top of where you want to go. You have a small platform. Everybody just kind of jumps off onto it because they just float down to it.
4: Well, it depends on how much uh, – what the energy cost is to run your antigrav If it's really cheap energy costs, yeah, you, you let it run. If it's kind of expensive, you land and you get off and walk around. Well, of course,
2: that would be the limitation, absolutely, absolutely. But, but you know, that,
3: I'm – That and when you control gravity, you control which, which way is the floor.
2: But, you know, the reason why I wasn't considering the energy uses for gravity is, is that, uh, quite honestly, those – If you're thinking about um, conventional energy uses for controlling gravity, I think that's going to be off the scale. It's going to be a different physics altogether. It's not going to use energy to control it. It's going to be something else because if it did use energy, the energy cost would be so unbelievably infinite. It would be, you know, because what do you need to generate 1G? You need something. You need the energy of a planet.
5: Well, yeah. Basically, you're going to be, okay, you have this planetary body, Earth. We are going to try to disrupt your gravitational pull on that planet, yeah, you're going to need something akin to the Earth's gravitational field to disrupt it at an equal level so you can jump 50 feet from, you know, one platform to another, from a vehicle to a platform.
1: Yeah, it would... It would... But that wouldn't necessarily be that hard because, I mean, we, we talk about the the you know the energy of the Earth. Well, really, in the, in the range of the universe, that's nothing. And if you could create a little a little micro black hole that you could control absolutely by you know maybe some kind you're using that that warping thing we're talking about where you could put it in front of you or above you or below you just pull you in whatever direction you wanted to go, that that would do that and you know and we and of course there could be your technology would have built into it safeguards so you didn't start using them as weapons on
5: each other, uh, but I'm just saying is that that's not that much energy really oh God here just a second um you guys brought this up and i'm, I'm looking for just give me a bit keep talking it,
2: it, okay well the, bruce what i'm thinking is the the easier solution to this because i mean it's kind of hard to say what the energy cost would really be on this in practical uses i'm saying sidestep the whole thing it's a it's a type of physics we don't know yet it's just they they are given a physical form, you know a physics formula they go oh wow i didn't even know that existed much like you know prior to uh 1000 AD, you know, uh, being able to use electricity was just not even thought of.
4: Okay, you know, basically, 1000 AD using electricity is basically standing out stand on the thunderstorm with a with a with a metal rod. Exactly. <laughs> right. Okay,
5: I exactly. I found the, about the um the type of energy like making a micro something like a singularity stabilizer in D20. That's PL9.
2: Okay, that's pretty pretty hot stuff. So, so yeah, Bruce. I think that I think that is a is a a game changer. I mean, like a complete game changer. Now, the downside to this, as as we've already said, is you know what is the technology? Baron, Baron Harkonnen is one of the downsides. <laughs> I don't know what
1: that yeah.
4: is. Yeah. Oh, Baron, Baron Harkonnen. Hark- okay, Dune. I got you, Dune. Yes. Right, yeah. Yeah. Basically, Basically uh, I I can I can attach any grav units to myself. I can get as big as I want.
2: Right. <laughs> Well, I was thinking even worse than that is is the the side effects on the universe itself. It's it's like you know you were talking about creating little black holes and stuff like that. I mean that just reeks of of uh, something going completely horribly wrong.
5: Well, yeah, because you're you're dealing with a micro singularity and it has to be contained in things. Well, I don't know if this would be powerful enough. I'm I'm going on the techno babble route here you know, magnetic bottles and stuff to keep this thing, you know, contained, either through accident or by design, i.e. somebody doing it. If you got a micro-singularity generator and you're using it to control your personal gravity and someone shoots you and ruptured the containment, congratulations, you you now are going to be compressed to the size of a dot. Right. And also, well, that's
1: why the technology would have to anticip yeah you know, would be part of the mature technology that would that you'd be able to not destroy your world by giving it to them
5: even if you have the technology for it blix if the technology is outpacing the ethics you're still going to have people you bring that back to earth prime and you're going to have those elements that are going wow that can be used as a weapon thank you
2: Yeah, let's figure this out
4: all you, all you gotta do is, you know, if you can use this to accelerate your spaceship up to speed at almost no cost, you just now made a relativistic
2: weapon. They can destroy planets. <laughs> or, or think about this. Let's let's not even let's talk about destroying the universe or the, or your part of the universe. Uh, remember, we said you.
5: C- yeah, don't destroy my Earth. I got too much of my stuff on it.
2: So you can go through different. You know, you're talking about being able to control fourth and fifth dimension and, and such. Well, imagine. You know, because you, you're, un, you're, you're unbending space. Uh, imagine you create some kind of temporal wormhole and you suck the planet into every time zone there is.
3: Just think if you had to just open up a hyperspace bypass.
4: <laughs> but also there's, there's the problem, too, of, you know, if, if, from the movies, you know, we see in every spaceship the gravity stops at the hull. That sort of implies that there's a, a there's a gravity shear at the hull, which means how do you get out of this ship? Because you have to go through the gravity shear to get out of the ship, so you really have to be able to control gravity, to be able to do that.
2: <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's I, I think that's a pretty good uh, synopsis of a of a great technology, good and bad.
4: It's 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 so good. It's hard to imagine all the implications for
2: it. Oh so, yeah. my god!
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it would literally be a whole. It, it would be like someone discovering electricity. Mm-hmm. Well, describing how to create and control electricity. No, no. I mean, seriously, discovering electricity, and you know, and you have everything from shocking people to uh, you know to smelting. To uh, your computer. I mean, those are very widely divergent applications, and not and none of them would you get from just the first time you see something spark a, a lightning bolt coming out of the sky and splitting a tree in half.
2: Right. Yeah. Uh, ben Franklin was not
1: thinking about the computer. No. no. Or power drills. Now he was thinking about a great story he could tell in the bar that night. <laughs> right.
5: Oh, that. <laughs> To see Ben Franklin out there in the storm again. Yeah.
1: There's some
4: evidence that he, that he, he may have this. It may all have been a thought experiment,
5: right? Yeah, I know. That he I actually know. They, never they, went they, out and actually did well, that. What, what kind of what kind of crazy type of people would do that? Oh wait a minute.
2: No. Yeah, yeah <sighs> they said if, if they going by his notes, it, you would get killed. Yeah, if he actually had put his knuckle against
4: that key. They would be you know, putting flowers on his grave afterwards. Well, you know
3: what? <laughs> Nobody up to that point had said, Here, hold my beer. Girl,
5: hold my beer. I want to try
1: <laughs> All right. So, who's
3: next? Me, I'm going to say you got to bring back the end all in all is actual clean energy. Whether you bring back the most efficient photovoltaic cells that per, that convert 99.9% of of sunlight into energy or you perfect the geothermal tap that that converts the heat of the planetary core into electricity something that brings back energy that doesn't consume anything yet produces in yeah the zero point module of another show that we don't mention much. Well, zero point
4: energy from 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 the Incredibles,
1: right? Zero zero point energy, um, also in uh, Songs of Distant Earth. Energy from vacuum,
3: sure. So, something that even suppresses um, cold fusion or fusion, where you're still consuming something,
1: right? Or the um, or the star drive that actually the antimatter star drive that was used in Variable Star. You know, for those of you who unfamiliar with what zero point energy is, it's basically tapping the
4: the the quantum foam in vacuum, and basically using the difference between you know the, the the there's a potential difference there that could be tapped, but it's it's zero. It's called zero point because technically it's all supposed to balance out and produce zero. Energy, but theoretically, you could make it do a little bit of work before it goes away.
5: Yeah, let me. Let me. I, I got it here. I, I have D20 Future Tech here in my hand so I can read it in a game context. One of the most powerful and efficient power cores in existence, the zero point cell, harnesses the power of quantum fluctuation and zero point energy to produce massive amounts of energy. The zero point cell is not only powerful and efficient, it also brings it that almost none of the dangers associated with so called limitless energy sources and requires no fuel. So
1: and there, was, and there was a Marvel character that
4: had that ability. Yeah. It's, it's not what I call god tech, basically. The, when you have this,
3: you're god. Well, I say it because it levels the playing field across the planet. Nobody holds reign over the planet's sources of energy just by having it within their borders. Of course, if you have zero
4: point energy, then you can do things that require lots and 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 lots, and lots of energy. You know, you just got to have enough of these generators around to, to get that energy. <laughs> like like things like, you know, shorting the shorting the, the space and continuum uh, uh, at the Parsec level, you know, making wormholes. Which you also can probably do with the gravity tech that, that, that uh, Peter was talking about.
3: But you can bring limitless energy to a small Micronesian island or to a village in Central Africa. They don't require... Currents, they don't require constant winds, they don't require the you know a plethora of sun. You just bring it to that location and drop it off, it levels the playing field across the planet.
4: How small, how small the units? I mean, if they're small enough, you know,
3: buy Exxon, buy Golf, mobile, exactly. Nobody controls it, John. That's the beauty of it. You de- You can't own it because it's within your borders or under someplace and you control. the the, the tap of the valve or the switch. It would rewrite the. It would rewrite geopolitics
1: overnight. Would that cause a problem? Uh, the fact that um, big oil and big coal and mm-hmm. big fusion, a couple of other, a big fusion or fission, no longer are economically feasible. Would that cause a worldwide economic crash, or do you think it would be uh, there? would be able to b- make a decent transition
3: if you phased it in. You would have a transition; otherwise, it would cause an immediate crash. Yeah. As you put your, if you put your money into, you know what they call futures.
2: You know what's kind of interesting is, is that yeah, it would. Oh God, like there would be a crash because you would have all the nations that. Uh, you know, make money off of off of fossil fuels, well, off of fuels, off of big fuel, whatever whatever our current, you know, could consume fuel is. But at the same time, you have all these countries, well I mean because there's coal, there's oil, there's I mean but you have all these uh you have all these other countries that spend a lot of their money consuming it and they wouldn't be spending that money so their economy would actually get a big boost because now they're not Pouring that money out,
3: or a poor country that's stagnated because they don't have access to unlimited right. fuel. So you're um, an island in Micronesia, You're Kiribati, or right. something. Oh, I can
4: see the Maldivians taking these things, going, "We can run pumps
3: and keep us from being." I was just I was just reading an article today on, in CNN on dairy farms in Saudi Arabia, where they are they have. And it staggered my mind: one hundred and sixty-seven thousand head of cattle. That's a lot of Big Macs. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. And when consuming three liters of water a day per cow per gallon of milk.
2: Yeah, but see, so you know what they're doing? They're trading oil for for water.
3: They're burning oil to run a desalinization plant oh to create God. water. Wow! wow. Yeah. And you know what? Not just not just drinking water, but they're running a misting system to create an environment where the cows don't die of heat prostration.
5: Yeah, cows are not necessarily native to the Middle East, so you have to have a means to make an environment conducive for their surviving. Yeah, that's a lot of tech.
4: So this is one of these technologies that can green the Sahara. It would would
2: quite literally shuffle the deck. I, I think in 10 years, you wouldn't recognize you know, the the socioeconomic structure of the world. It would it would be a different it would be a different place altogether.
5: Yep. Chaos theory at work.
2: And there's I don't think we can even predict it. I don't think there's any shot of us even coming close to what it would look like in ten years.
5: Well because it depend it would also it would depend on who gets it. If it's a superpower like the US or China or, you know, Britain, yeah. Now if all of a sudden like John said the Maldives Islands gets it well yeah that would definitely shake things up on a much larger scale because nobody expects a little geopolitical entity like that to all of a sudden be you know the king of the hill
4: yeah it's 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 the old um Malthset syndrome where you have a t- tiny little country
3: with 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 something that they can change the world but imagine you're anybody like Mongolia which is completely landlocked and doesn't have those resources. It is a game changing it and like I said geopolitically it levels the field it 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 creates countries that didn't or could not have been a superpower suddenly they're on par. They don't have they don't have armies, they don't have nukes. True, but but power convention wise depending on how
4: powerful a small unit would be uh, you can easily then turn around and build yourself a
1: railgun or or a light a, uh, linear linear driver. Yeah, but so can everybody else, and, and so can everyone else. And they're probably better at it than you are. Yeah.
3: Well, the U.S. and China are about twenty five years ahead of everybody else right now.
1: Well, I can believe that.
3: Well, we got functioning prototypes.
1: Yeah.
4: Well, there's people, there's hobbyists building them in their garages right now.
3: True, John, but not at, the, not at the 16 kilometers a second. Oh, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, DARPA, DARPA level and crap like that, yeah.
3: US Navy's trying to. I'm talking about the, the US Navy one yeah. that, that they got yeah. functioning. So,
1: Paul, do you, have, uh, do you know how much uh, money uh, it costs uh, the average American to, uh, for fuel based uh, issues?
3: I'm not even going to venture, being a single person.
1: well okay how much do you spend in utilities in your uh, uh, in your house I
3: average probably less than $200 versus your income Oh, probably 25%
1: okay and then of course you also are going to be negating the fuel cost in bringing in your groceries now because everything's powered all your vehicles are powered by this thing that never runs out of power and things like uh Oh, things like aluminum, which uses uh, electricity to extract it, and titanium, you know, and titanium. So the full
3: everything that comes comes with smelting uses right, electricity right. now. So I'm just saying,
1: anything having to do with transport that currently uses uh, uh, petroleum, that's going to be revolutionized. Um, anything that uh, uh, you know that, that 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 deals with scarcity. Of petroleum which really isn't a doom problem right now but I'd say that you'd probably you're saying 25 percent I'd say at least 35 percent of your income would now become available so there's a good chance that there if, if they didn't blow each other up over this or something there would be a huge economic boon as a result because uh, it, it suddenly people would have money to spend that they didn't have to spend before.
3: Yeah, I'm just saying that the crash would be in the short term, you know, a one to five year thing because people are going to have their money put into futures, like, you know, what are they they betting on the fluctuation of oil and stuff like that. But after that, it's all going to even out.
1: Now, there is going to, unless, uh, as you were talking about, Paul, that everybody has their own zero point energy source in their home, uh, you're still going to have to pay for the infrastructure. Still going to need the power lines, the condensers, all that stuff that makes things operate, and you know there's still going to be a certain amount of 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 infrastructure costs that you can't get away with, and and of course the people to run those things, they're going to have jobs. You know the the guy whose whose job it is to uh, be an electrician, he's still going to need to be paid. So it's it's not it's not it's not really zero cost energy. It's just zero cost at the energy. You know. But the rest of it still is, is, is going to be at that cost.
3: There's a high school, I believe it's up in Washington State, and John might back me up on this, where there's a
1: nuclear power plant in the basement. There's a couple of them. There's one in Georgia Tech. They're here in Atlanta. It's a, thorium, it's a thorium reactor. No, 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 no.
3: This was, this was a nuclear power plant built to power the high school. Oh, wow. Not, it's not an experimental lab. Well,
1: it's an experimental lab, but it's still, it's used, it's still used to power a number of buildings surrounding it. It has a real thorium reactor in it.
3: But my point is that you may not have to build miles of power lines, right. substations, and all right. that, when it's just something the size of a 40-gallon water heater that sits in one corner yeah, of the basement. Yeah,
1: if, if you can get it that small, then that would be great, Paul. So you're, you're also kind of hypothesizing that this is a device that's small and easily um, you know, uh, insertable into our lives, so to speak. It's not. It's not some giant machine that that has to be built.
3: Yeah, more or less. I mean, it has to
1: fit through a twenty foot portal. No, no. The the, the the information on how to build it has to fit through a twenty.
4: foot Yeah, portal. of course. One question is: What's the failure mode in the sucker? I
1: mean, if it you know if it fails. Well, you don't want it to break. Yeah, well, we're assuming that if it fails, it doesn't eat the planet because nobody would build something like that. Yeah.
3: Oh no! I think somebody's still building. <laughs> Humans are not that
1: great at self-preservation. Well, it, it, if they were going to do that, at least I would hope that they would like build it on the moon, which is not a, a, a that great of an idea because if we lose the moon, we lose it's a it's a big problem. Uh, but if you put it on the moon and then you used uh, lasers to fire the energy back to Earth and, and stuff like that. The biggest problem that that none that I see in this whole thing about having unlimited energy is that um, you're adding more and more heat to the Earth. Even if you get it from nowhere, when you use it, you're going to be producing heat, and in, and you could very easily raise the ambient temperature of the Earth to the point where Earth becomes unlivable.
3: When you have unlimited power, don't you have the unlimited ability to create?
4: Well, the problem with heat is all you can do is move. All you can do is move the heat around. You actually can't get rid of it.
1: Now, I, I remember reading in one book where they were able to cool a spaceship by firing a a, a laser that basically used the heat of the of the uh, of, of the engine or whatever like that to produce the laser, and that reduced the heat of the overall ship. I mean, it was way higher. We're talking about a part of the ship that was. Sundiver
4: by David Brin, I think, well, used they, that yeah, method. Yeah,
1: they used that somewhere. So, I mean but I'm not sure whether that would help us when we're talking about, you know, going... That would on- be one wicked laser blowing out the earth. You'd just move the earth around with a laser like that. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but like I said, it's, it's something that, it's something to consider. When you have infinite amount of energy, you also have infinite amount of heat. One thing I would see not going away, though,
4: oil still won't go away, because while you, ha- while you have infinite energy, you still got to have lubrication for all your machinery. And so plastic. And plastics, right. but now but now it becomes a lower because now you actually have enough energy to do things that were hard to do without energy, such as turn cellulose into plastics.
1: Right. Well, we use ninety percent of our oil to burn in engines, not not to actually produce anything. So that would be a big improvement. It would it would bring the cost of that it would, it would bring the cost of, of of the oil down considerably, and uh, you know because there'd be more of it available. You know the 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 price, the marketplace would drop the cost. But, yeah, it also would last, you know, a lot, lot longer than it's currently going to do right now. Because ultimately, we're going to have to get out of oil eventually. There's no there's no other possibility. We don't have, there's not infinite oil on the planet of the Earth. Anybody else got something? Oh, I got something. All right, John. What is your uh, mag-
4: magnificent MacGuffin? Well, and this is in keeping with things that will change society completely, and this is the case. So we've had, you know, control of gravity, control of energy. Well, how about we just go for the cornucopia machine? All it, you
1: know, you you want something, it makes it. Does it does it make it by you just wanting it, or does it make it by duplicating something that already exists? T rogre hot. Um, I, I actually
4: would go, I would say in this case, it was, it's the latter that is you have to, you have to give it something to work with, but it, you know, at some point it becomes like a 3d printer. If you, you know, once you learn how to program it, you can make stuff with it. So you can make, it's the replicator from Star Trek. It's replicator because it, you know, unfortunately Star Trek never really showed how badly that destroyed society because money. Okay. There goes the entire economy. You can, I can pave my, I can pave my street in gold. You know, gold blocks. You know, each one weighing fifty, you know, weighing about ten ki- uh, kilos each. Blah, blah blah There's my road. Yep,
1: yeah. I, I have one. I have one tub of, uh, of of vanilla ice cream, and I will never need another.
4: I, you know, you, st- well, you, well, you, you, you still will need source matter, but hey, you know, you can put anything into it for a source matter. So sewage is not a problem anymore. <clears throat> Rocks, dirt. Well,
3: in Star Trek, it had to have uh, it had to have base component amino acids for things that were organic, and had to have. That's the Star Trek
4: replica being being nerfed by the writers, because it's based on the transporter.
1: Transporter didn't need none of that. Right, and certainly when they created the second Riker, they 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 weren't throwing like you know uh you know a big bag full of sewage into the transporter to make him come out of it the second time.
4: No, no, it basically, it, they realized they had a problem, therefore they nerfed it. You know, this is a, this is the not nerfed version. This is the sucker that basically, there's no, there's no goad press laden, that ladenum. There's nothing, you know, if you, if it, it has an atomic structure and can be made, you can make it. Which does have its own problems. I need, uh, oh, I need about, uh, 10 grams of, fi- of, uh, plutonium, uh, of plutonium, please. Boop, oh, there you go. You can get weapons-grade plutonium
3: just fine out of this machine. If
1: you can, yeah, if you have the sample. Yeah,
3: yeah, you had to put something into it first. It had to have something to copy. That's why it's a replicator.
4: Well, this I'm saying this, this is why I call this a cornucopia machine, though. cornucopia machine is a little bit different, is that it only needs just a little sample. Yeah, or, you, or you know how to program it to make it. Because it's already doing, you're just taking protons,
1: neutrons, electrons, and rearranging them into... into... Uh, okay, so you're, you're basically doing the first thing that I was asking, not really the second. The second one has a built-in limitation that you have to have the object that you're duplicating before you can get another one. Yeah, the second one has a. Hard... That's not much of that's not much of a limitation, John. Yeah,
4: well, it, it, the limitation is if you want to make something like machinery, you actually, either you have, either you you go the replicator method, which is you scan machinery, and you you get how it's put together, or you design it, which means yeah, okay, it's uh that does it becomes a limitation right there because then you need someone to, to design the stuff so you can print it out. So not everyone, not everyone can design a radio. Not everyone can design a car. And some things may not be practical to make with the home replicator, but the big industrial ones can make big things like cars and planes and so forth. The home, but, you know, but basically it means, you know, uh, as long as I have
1: source material, you know, feedstock, I can make whatever I want. Now, your limitation, I see, John, is that if, if you don't have Paul's zero point energy source then uh, you don't uh, it's going to take an awful lot of energy for you to create that uh, thing. you're either going to have to take something that already exists and transform it into it with whatever costs are involved in, in, in moving the molecule the, you know the quarks around or you're going to have to literally, I don't know, you know, use up the entire Earth's oil supply in order to produce a hamburger. Well,
4: well think about this, Bruce. If I can sit there and rearrange the neutrons, protons, and electrons, I can siphon some of those off just as, you know, energy at that point. Just, aerial energy, thank you. I can use the source no, no, material. No, that doesn't work for me, John. Well, no, but you can use the source material, you know, basically. No, I, I, please explain it better. What I'm saying is that if if, if what I'm doing is rearranging at the, at the subatomic level, level uh, I, then I should have the ability to, you know, basically, you know, create a little antimatter, and at that point, I can just simply just become a, a total conversion device inside there that, that powers itself just from the feedstock.
2: I think what John is saying is is that you can take a glob of material and make another material out of it, but you're going to lose some of the material in the process because you're going to use some of it to burn to get the energy to move the other stuff around.
1: Yeah. Right, well, you know, when he started talking about producing antimatter and then combining that with matter and using that as your power source to then do the rest of your manipulation, okay, that starts making a little bit more sense. But that, the problem I was having was he wasn't talking about what he was using as the power source to do this manipulation, and that's why I was raising the question.
4: You're right, you're right. It also could be powered by the zero by the zero,
1: zero point energy that, that uh, Paul has, or it could be powered by... Well, we just said, assuming you don't have that, I could see that as a real limitation because, um, I mean, you're you're talking about something that's, you know, it, it's, it's doing a lot of work to oh, know yeah. how to move that stuff around. And so, you know, and assuming, of course, we have a, you know, a PL-20 level of control as well, then, you know. I'm
3: just trying to contemplate the supercomputer that can keep track of all of the subatomic
1: particles. Yeah, well, that's always been the problem with the transporter is the fact that – you get broken down, you get sent somewhere and reassembled, and everything is still cooking along at the same rate. Your mind's still moving, the the, the neurons and your the, the electric not the neurons, the the electrical charges that are being represented by, by you know handoffs of molecules through your nervous system are still operating. So you know that's why when when it used to show them kind of stand there for a second, I always figured that was them kind of syncing up, you know.
5: What you guys said about a computer that would have to run all the calculations to transport from A to B and keep everything in sync. Just look at the human body. We have in our mind the autonomic processes, not only breathing, respiration, but nerve function, brain function, metabolic function. And that our brain is a fantastic computer. And the fact that our brains can do all that on its own, It would have to be a powerful computer to do something because imagine if we had to try to do that consciously for me to sit there and consciously metabolize a meal I just ate. I wouldn't be able to do it. I mean just – I'd be on the floor. So yeah, the the computer that you would need in order to keep all of that stuff straight to run something to convert matter to energy would be indescribable as far as the type of computer you would need. The supercomputer, you'd have to go beyond supercomputer. It would have to be a heuristic model. Right. You have to have a computer that can make if, then, and when con- conclusions. Yeah, that's that's a heuristic computer. For those of you who don't know what a heuristic computer is, a heuristic computer is a computer that thinks and adapts like the human brain. Something like data would be the best bet. Read the Bolo novels. I'm sorry, Dave. I can't do that. Yeah, that too. I'll also, yeah. Read all the
3: novels that fall under the, under the title of Bolo, The Sentient Tanks. Started by Keith
1: Lommer and carried on by David Weber. Well, let's get let's get back to you, John, in your cornucopia machine. Okay, so at the top level, that comes back. What happens to society? What's what's going to be the effect of of the uh, Earth Prime in general?
4: It's it, it basically went, when it, when we realize that a you can have a cornucopia machine and b it can make another cornucopia machine from its you know it's self replicating. So once you have one, you basically have enough for everybody in the world at that point. It's just a matter of you, enough raw material and programming itself to make itself again. You know, and there and and that point. I mean, one the economy just crashes. You don't need to, you, you you know all you need is hook up your toilet to the thing and you can you have you know machine you have raw, raw raw stock for making stuff. I mean, you right. know, if you put your garbage in and you got raw stock, you know, wh- whatever you want. It it's is, like
5: Mister Fusion Machine and Back to the Future, yeah.
4: Yeah, basically, you ha- you know, there's no need to go to the store because are you gonna get the store? I can't,
3: ma- I, I I couldn't make with my corner coving machine
1: anything you should that you don't already have.
3: Wow, so absolutely no reason to leave the house. Wow, so you've created an internet culture of otaku. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: we'll all be at home, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> but, but that he, he no, he brings up a good point there, though. I mean, like I said, this thing can you know if you can. Program it, and you learn how to build things. You know, I can imagine. Be, still, will be a need for people who can create because otherwise, I'm is that to build a better
3: girlfriend?
4: Exactly, <sighs> better boyfriend. You know, build the perfect cat who lives forever, or at least lives long enough to the point you feed him back to the machine and get another one out. Exactly like the last one.
2: Well, hold on wait a minute. I got one more downside to this. <laughs> Somebody you don't like, feed him to the machine.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, you could kill them before. <laughs>
2: Well, no, no. Now they're gone. There's no evidence. They're gone on a on a subatomic level.
5: That would have to be. You'd have for that. Well, yeah. I mean, you'd have to put in a uh, a buffer that no living material can be in there. It would have to be
4: came from you the, the, uh, know some super su- super tech you uh, know world. You know, maybe it came from the, the denti- Dentinis. You know, Is it uh, you have a cornucopia machine? Yeah, here you go. Blank, thank you." And it has no limitations on it. I mean, you know.
1: Yes, everything that comes out of it has their logo on it. Oh, there's that little problem. You know. <laughs> but, yeah. They would love that. <laughs> this
2: woman walks in and she's got the logo on her forehead. It's like, dude, what have you been up to? Come on. <laughs> it's not on her forehead. You can't see it.
1: <laughs> Gets herself an enhancement. It's on each of her enhancements. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, great. It's the Dentini Tramp Stamp. <laughs> 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 Yeah, we'd all get one of those. <laughs> uh, okay, uh but uh I have read a, I've actually um I don't know if there, there are novels out there about this possibility. Um and the one I read, uh they had a very simple one. I mean, it literally was able to reproduce material with the uh with a small device. It was uh it, it could be as big as you want, could also be handheld, it ran off of simple uh batteries out of a flashlight. And uh and because of that, the economy crashed and so the one thing that 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 couldn't be reproduced uh, was Europe uh, was someone else doing something for you so it immediately initiated a culture of slavery services yeah yeah so basically well and, and making somebody else do something for you became the only form of power or personal pride I, it's not the right term I want.
3: Chief Bottle Washer.
1: What I'm just saying is it, you know, but the, the 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 great people in the world were people who could make other people do what they wanted them to do because that was the only thing you could reproduce. Uh, because every because there was no need for human labor anymore in the sense that you know, I mean, no one would sell you their labor, you know, because they didn't need to. They could just take the machine and they could make you know uh, you know spam all day long, you know, or whatever, and trade for it with other people, or you know, because in this particular case, it was the one where it needed something. Uh, an original to duplicate to something else. So that was the only thing that, in the book, they came up was the only thing that you couldn't reproduce. Uh, and so, of course, you had these huge, these you know, worldwide fiefdoms as a result. That's a downside I could see. But I mean,
4: there, there's other novels. There's there's some actually early knowledge in the 1930s that sort of address this, where you know, some guy creates a device that. Basically doesn't require a massive amount of energy. You know, it just you put it in and out comes, you know, and you, you, you know, like I said, roads paved in gold. You use rubies for bearings you know, and stuff like that. You know, it's like, it, it's, it, it was just, a, you know, it, and his main purpose was to change, was change the way everything worked. I mean, it completely destroyed the solar system's economy when he developed this machine, but they were colonizing Venus because right. of the, the machines let them do things such as, just suck in, suck in, the raw matter of the atmosphere and spit out good breathable atmosphere.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you actually have a situation where money isn't really the determiner, like any scientific mission, where you know it doesn't matter what people are getting paid, what they care about are resources and and the ability you know to, to create things into and, and to surmount problems. See, that's where something like this would be really, really useful. Uh, it would, it would not be disruptive. So. It's, it's where you you have people whose only reason for existing is to get up go to work earn a paycheck come home feed themselves and and do whatever those are the people that are suddenly going to find themselves you know adrift uh, in society they're literally going to be worthless I mean you might you might as well uh, say yeah okay let's let's put you in that room with your TV set and whatever and your little uh, you know controller you press the button and it pops out your milkshake I mean, that's one way of going about it, to say, look, you're, you're useless. Therefore, let's, you know, let's lock you away so you can continue to be useless and, not, and let the people who actually want to create stuff go and do stuff now. I mean, one of the
4: things, uh, part of this is coming from uh, readings on, the, on that. If you have to build, if, if the machine allows you to design things and build things and create things from scratch instead of just simply replicating uh, objects, then being able to do this crafting, doing this sculpting becomes a a marketable trade, you know. And maybe there's DRM's, you know. You 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 buy one, buy it once and use it once. You you buy the model, replicate it, there it is, and your model goes out of machine. You have to buy it all over again to use it. So my gosh, the work Microsoft does take over the world. Yeah, I mean, of course. What you what do you buy it with, though? Is is problematic because I can I can make all the money you want me to you, you need. So you you either have to put in DRMs on money so you can't actually make money, or you have to find something else to trade,
1: in in lieu of uh, in lieu of uh, money. So well, that's where that's where you have to start selling your labor, and your labor has to be worth something to somebody. See, that's. The- a good, a good example of this is to go to a, a website called Fiverr.com. It's F-I-V-E-R-R.com, and on there, for five bucks, there are thousands of people that will do something for you. And you know, of course, they'll do, you know, these are some of these people are, are great professionals. And they can do a lot more, but they have something that they're saying: "Here's an offer. I'll do this for five bucks." It might be something like a 30-minute television spot. It might be, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll design a dress for you. It might be, here's a picture of you as, uh, uh, as uh, your favorite anime character, you know, or your favorite anime setting. So it's a place where creative people uh, or skilled people can use their skills to do things other people wouldn't have the money for. Otherwise, or wouldn't think of doing, and they never thought of going and hiring an artist to do something for themselves like that. But since it's so cheap, then they can, you know, can do that. Now you have this this world where everything can be had for nothing as long as you have something to offer somebody. That might be all it takes. Your time is worth X, and you can buy quite a bit with that X, considering everything's so cheap because everything can be universally duplicated. And which makes it a much more efficient process than it would uh, the way it is currently, you know, with like growing food and the crops and and all the stuff that we do right now.
4: As, as we sort of implied, you also might also see a population crash. Um, if you don't have to leave home and you can make yourself a girlfriend or boyfriend, you might see a population crash as well. So, so it, it has its upsides and downsides.
2: So wait a minute, so you're saying that you can you can replicate entire organic beings, so you could like replicate a person? Yeah, why not? Well, I mean, that, that might be a limitation, I mean, that, for game balance purpose or whatever, that might be a limitation you have. If I did in the game, would you, yeah, if I was doing this in the
4: game, would I say, yeah, you can replicate a person, it's dead. Right, alright, so. It wouldn't
5: necessarily be dead, but basically it would be a soulless person, there would be no heart, there would be no software.
2: Well, hold on. Where I was going with this was is that we, we said that services would be, would, be the, would be the thing that people would be selling, right? Well, if you can replicate people, you don't need to buy services because you can replicate yourself slaves. So I would say going on that premise that people –
1: Well, why would, you own
2: the, why would you own the thing that you replicated? I don't know why you would. I mean you're talking about creating girlfriends and stuff.
1: Right. Well, that, yeah, that's the whole assumption of creating a girlfriend means that that girlfriend wants to hang with you after you do it. That's right. She may not. Yes, exactly. So anyway, so, so what I was thinking was where I was
2: going with this whole thing is that that is one of the services that would become high in demand, would become a very powerful in demand service. It's like you can have anything you want, but you can't, you can't make love. You know, you can't like you can't have this thing can't spit that out. Oh, wow.
3: You just you just redefine the girlfriend experience.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm going to just
4: tell
3: you to go find that movie.
4: Uh, if you want to read up on it, there's actually a couple stories. One' is, uh, by Murray Leinster called the Duplicators uh, or Leinster, 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 I can't pr- uh, pronounce it right. And there's another one called Pandora's Millions, which uh, uh, also covers this. They're, they're all written back in the thirties and 40s. So this is not a new topic. People sat back and said, if I can if I could have whatever I want, what would what would happen? it's a, It was a great topic for science fiction stories. You know, and uh, as as we see in the future it, with Star Trek, with the next generation, they they try to address it. Like I said, they nerfed it. You know, it's, some people say, "Well, oh, I like natural grown. I like, yeah, I like my uh, porterhouse steak it's the same way every time." Because I guess they could see a, a movement. Hey, like like they showed in Star Trek, there are the naturals. They don't want replicated. They don't want this thing on the machine, even though you cannot tell the difference. It's got to have providence. Yeah, it's got to have providence. You know, and if they grew it with their own hands, that's even better.
3: Let's so say the uh, the Albedo comics and the Albedo role playing game addresses that issue that that everybody's entitled to because of the level of technology, free housing, health care, all their basic needs are met. But it's kind of a kind of a boring existence where you just you know you you exist every day, but you don't really live. But to earn credits, you have to perform a task, and you're paid for that task.
1: In the, the comic book Judge Dread that particular thing, almost everybody is um, a ward of the state. They're all in the dole. Nobody, almost nobody actually has a job in that particular society because they have robots to do all the grunt work.
3: Yeah, and Albedo, nobody has to have a job, but there's kind of an incentive. It's sort of a peer pressure thing.
1: Well, it, it's in the in the comic book. I'm talking in Judge Dread comic book. It's it's rare to have a job, and there's a great deal of a status that comes with having a job because of the fact that you're able to you're, you know you're you're doing something so valuable that they actually need a person to do it. I am the law.
3: And <laughs> the Al, Albedo comics isn't an apocalyptic,
2: and,
1: and neither is Judge Dredd,
2: except occasionally.
1: Let's look at this from another angle,
2: though. Let's let's take the angle that. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I don't work just because I have to. I mean, I enjoy work. You know, it gives me a sense of purpose. It gives me something to do other than staring at the wall. I know, like, when I get sick and I'm at home and I'm stuck in bed, I- I'm going crazy. And it's not just to go out and play and, and, and you know, uh, just to get out of the house. If I didn't have a job, if I didn't have some kind of, of purpose, I think I would go insane. I'm not even really looking forward to retiring in, in a typical way that a lot of people do. Like, oh, I can't wait till I get to 65 and retire. I'm like, I really don't know if I want to retire. I mean, I, I might want to change my job description to some other job, uh, something more fun, something more something more in my wheelhouse of what I would like to do. I mean, even though what I'm doing is great. I would not want to sit at home and stare at the wall. I would go insane. So I, I don't care if I could make anything I wanted. I'd still want to make things. Yeah, Peter.
1: Imagine my life for the last five days when I had my uh, my back injury, where all I could do was lay on the couch and watch Netflix all day long. I'd go insane, Bruce. I'm. I, I would. I'd be going insane. It, it, it wasn't very. It wasn't easy at all. It was. I. I I was I was trying all kinds of ways to get on Facebook. Oh
5: well, yeah, stuff. I'm I'm on vacation this week and my busiest day is going to be tomorrow. I gotta run my, my co host spend the an uh eye doctor appointment, then go to a work luncheon and pick up stuff that we're getting for Christmas, therapy, and then I'm going to a concert at a high school. I'm busy then. I'm doing something. I'm helping friends up. The rest of this time I've been napping. So yeah, we we ha we need a reason to do stuff.
2: I think most people are in that camp. I think that's, you know, I don't think.
1: Really? Because I don't see pe- the majority of people, I don't see that way. I literally see them as nine to fire, you know, salary men. people who come home, pull the beer out, sit down in front of the game. That's it. They're done.
2: I don't know. I don't, you know, most people I encounter, and maybe it's just because I, I you know, I've, I've, um, spent almost my entire adult life working in a very professional engineering setting. Almost everybody I work with, I mean, most of them, to one degree or another, are all very motivated. You know, there's some guys who are less motivated than others, of course, but almost every one of them are fairly motivated to, to do stuff.
1: Just ask yourself, how many people are primarily consumers or producers?
2: Well, is that. I mean, unfortunately, uh, there is a portion of society that, doesn't would if they never had to work a day in their life they wouldn't and that's what i'm saying we
1: you know you may find those people getting warehoused where (laughs) if that's all they want to do is come home and crack open the beer and watch the game well here's a nice little room for you here's your little machine over in the corner crack you know popping out budweiser and here's pizza coming out of the replicator oven and you're happy you're done you got what you want
4: well, if you got a cornucopia machine, you you could build yourself a nicer
3: place. I mean, you know, if you know how to build it. Or episode two of the Matrix, you become the battery that feeds the Corporonium machine. You know what,
2: Paul? I was thinking that. I was actually thinking that. Yeah, you don't want to do anything. That's fine. Sit at home. Stick your finger in this thing. <laughs> Just sit there and watch TV.
4: Well, use the heat different. The heat difference between you and this device over here. It is heating over here the powered machine.
5: <laughs> well, as humans, we need to feel motivated like we have a purpose my job is eight to five drudgery i do medium daily physical labor i lift auto parts all day i push them around on a cart. i pack them up and send them down a conveyor the stuff i do is trav my show this podcast the games i run that is the stuff that fulfills me that is the stuff that gets me pumped up right my therapist even said your career is trap just being Robert and the mundane stuff, that just pays the bills. I do that because I need to, because I need to have the apartment and the cable and the, the internet and this laptop that I'm talking to you guys through. The the stuff that inspires us, defines us, that we love to do, humans are going to need to do that no matter what. It's part of the human condition. And if you have this box that literally gives you everything, that the minimum amount you, do, you need to create is that's all you're doing... We will die inside as a race, and that will be a very bad, negative point for this coniocupia machine because we. You wouldn't have if 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 anything
3: you wanted filling out, you'd have anything to live
5: for. Right, exactly. That's why you have these problems with these spoiled kids because if they're given everything, to from jump, if the parents just buy them stuff just to shut them up, that's why you end up. I hate to say this, having this generation of kids that you know are like how a lot of them are today because they haven't learned to work and strive. And and fight for what they want. As far as our parents said that. What was that, Paul?
1: Dude, that's every generation.
5: I can
3: say our parents said that. Get off
5: my lawn, yeah, Trav.
1: Yeah, that's because they didn't have to go through the snow both ways uphill to
5: school every day. Dirt every day and be thankful for it. Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) Because you had dirt. right? You had
4: dirt. I, I I had to go up, I had to go uphill both ways. Now, of course, I had to go
2: downhill one of those ways. But yeah,
5: hey John, that's what I was gonna say. It's where you got that
2: dirt. You had to go up the hill both ways to get that dirt.
5: That's right. Yeah. Now I'm thinking of the four Yorkshiremen skit from Monty Python. <laughs> oh
2: yes, we get up in the morning, they kill
4: us.
5: <laughs> <laughs> you know what, what today how it was.
2: So anyway, so yeah, I think that's I th- I think we covered that one pretty good.
0: Pandemic reads like the love child of Michael Crichton and David Cronenberg. Best-selling author James S.A. Corey. On January 21st, author Scott Sigler brings you the novel Pandemic, The final installment of the groundbreaking Infected Trilogy. Sigler is masterful at grabbing the reader by the throat and refusing to let go. Best-selling author Lincoln Child. Pandemic combines horror and hard science in a blistering, body-morphing tale of global collapse. Part Stephen King, part Chuck Palahniuk. Best-selling author James Rollins. Visit scottsigler.com slash pandemic to see the disturbing video trailer and to get info on the Pandemic book tour running January 18th to the 27th. Pandemic seriously rocked the action while delving deep into character highly recommended best-selling author jonathan mayberry pandemic available in all bookstores on amazon.com and at scottsigler.com pandemic this was the play games
1: podcast
2: this podcast is protected under the Creative Commons
3: License.
2: Have a Merry
3: Christmas!